Untitled Beatles Podcast. <laughs> Little another day for you to begin this one. I love it. Not the McCartney solo nope. song, another day. Nope. Nope, the uh, Martha, my dear, pastiche. <laughs> yes, I love that you said pastiche first. If in <laughs> Vegas there was an over-under on which one of us would use that word first, you win. Congratulations. Got it in there. Thank you. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. My name's Tony Mendoza. I'm TJ Shanoff. Tony, great to be with you again for yes. another week of Beatling. Always great to be with you, TJ. A Ruttles story is a legend, a living legend. A legend that will live long after lots of other living legends have died. This week we are going to delve into the Ruttles. Love it. The Ruttles, the mid-late 70s concoction born out of the mind of uh, Eric Idle of Monty Python. Yep. And uh, you use the word pastiche. I believe (laughs) the Ruttles created the ultimate Beatles sounding pastiche ever written with all due respect to the other beatley bands the raspberries todd rungren uh marshall crenshaw uh, <laughs> Clatu, right? i mean calling occupants <laughs> of indicator black <laughs> i keep getting I've, I've got it right some one of these i got it right but uh the ruddles are like you know uh, todd rungren had that album uh that with utopia called deface the music right. where every song was kind of meant to sound like that Rungren's a genius. What the Ruddles did and Neil Innes, the composer of these songs, which we'll get into, it's the best Beatles tribute. It's the best Beatles satire. It is the uh, comedically and musically. It's one of my favorite moments in, in Beatle world. Yeah, me too, man. And I, I will say, I wish I had stumbled upon this earlier. I think the first time I ever heard of the Ruddles was in junior high or early high school. And I was, I was flipping through a Beatle book that I got from the library and I saw the cover art for the, which you, I think you just showed me the eight track of it. The, uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm holding the age. This is how I first heard it on eight track tape, which I still have. Oh, that's so great, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the, with the Beatles, magical mystery, Sergeant pepper, and then let it be all the, you know, the let's let it rot. Tragical history. What's and, the Sergeant Pepper and one? Sergeant Rudder's Lonely <laughs> Darts Club band. It's perfect. Sergeant Rudder's. <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, yeah, I saw it. And I, I, I think at that time, I was so into the Beatles. Like, I love them that I, I wasn't ready to make fun of them yet. You know, and some for some reason, I just never got around. Also, it was hard to find. It was a hard thing. When I got into the Beatles, all you had were, uh, we went to O-Video. You know, that was the video store we went to. You mean O-H comma video? Like, O-Video, like that? <laughs> no, no, it's the Irish thing. Like, <laughs> O-apostrophe video and a shamrock. <laughs> you know, they so never this is have late the 80s. departed in stock. I know it's before The Departed came out. It was always printed out. <laughs> no, but you could get Faces of Death 1 and Faces of Death 3, you know. <laughs> but you couldn't get the Ruddles. So oh, I don't even know. I saw parts of it and pieces of it, but I, I don't think I actually sat down with this movie until recently. And it's on YouTube, so you can, you can watch uh, All You Need Is Cash. That was the name of the TV movie that came out in 78. 78, that's right. So this, let's, yeah, let's just delve into the history real quick. It started uh, in the mid-70s on the BBC with a show Eric Idle was hosting called Rutland Weekend Television. 
so Rutland was a fictional town. Like I, I, I want to say it was one of those maybe northern seaside towns. That's in my head. That's what I, I see it as, like one of those holiday camp kind of small town like Britain where things. where faulty towers would have taken place in uh Taukey, which is which uh T O U R Q I I don't know how they spelled it but <laughs> Torquay or Torquay I'm a big faulty towers fan I'm a right. diehard we there were like 12 of them we used to tape them off channel 11 in Chicago and for I eventually got the DVDs but forever I just watched those episodes and memorize all 12 of them and that was my entry into this as a fifth grader was from the Faulty Towers world plus Beetlefest. At some point, I was turned on. To, uh, I bought the VHS tape. My parents bought it for me at Beetlefest. Nice. I'm pretty sure when it, w- when it was still in downtown Chicago at the old Hilton on uh, Wacker Drive. Um, and we got the VHS not knowing what it was, thinking it was a beetle thing. I think the VHS tape had the Abbey Road kind of cover mocking it. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, this must be a Beatles thing. And I fell in love with it right away because it was simultaneous to loving Faulty Towers to Monty. P- and I'm not a big Monty Python guy. I like Monty Python, but you're yeah. not going to get me quoting Holy Grail every five minutes. My right. Monty Python spam, spam. things. Yeah. All that stuff are Faulty Towers with John Cleese and the Ruddles with Eric Idle. So I've been in deep for quite a while. And I love that you saw the movie. And I think you feel the same way as I do, that it's perfect because it's biting we'll we'll get into the etymology of this in a minute and and uh, the background that you were starting to give us but why do we love this movie so much why do we love these songs it's biting satire it is done with love it is done with a clear knowledge of the beatles story and a respect for it and it even has george harrison in it yeah which is feels like tacit approval of the project uh, as a whole yeah in a way i feel george harrison was almost there as like the uh what they now call like the historical consultant or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's done. I think, and I think that's the key is that it was done with love. Like this is a loving tribute to this band that pokes fun at them at the same time. And I mean, the Beatles themselves, most of them loved it. I think all but Paul. Yeah. I think it made Ringo sad. And Paul, I think, gave a no comment. Yes, Paul kept saying no comment. And I heard one time that like uh, Paul McCartney and Eric Idle shared a dinner at some uh, awards ceremony uh, sitting at the same table and it was described as icy. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. Well, because Paul was, Paul McCartney, people forget this, was so sensitive that he only up until 1989 when he toured, granted he stopped touring by 79, but he only did a handful of Beatles songs in his set list back then. Now you go see Paul McCartney, it's 85% Beatles. Back then, that huge Wings Over America tour, which is just a couple of years before the Ruddles came out, was only yesterday, I've just seen a face, Lady Madonna. Right. There was no Let It Be. There was no, I think he did Long and Winding Row, but no Let It Be, no Hey Jude. So Paul was protective of and haunted by the Beatles legacy in ways that I think this plus Eric Idle, who plays the Paul character, <laughs> plays him like a such like a wistful fool. Yeah, he yeah. But even that's beautiful and kind of spot on. <laughs> He's always kind of like knowing that the spotlight is on him and everyone's looking at him and he has that kind of <laughs> dumbfounded, cute, you know, pinup look on his face. Oh, I love it. And it's so funny watch, watching Eric Idle. He plays, he mimes the bass left-handed and he just, his fingers aren't anywhere near what no. a bass progression is no, like, he's, but he's given it his all. Yeah, he, I think he stays on the same fret most of the time. <laughs> everything's right there. 
<laughs> yeah, it started on this thing, uh, the Ruddles. Originally, I think it was gonna they were gonna do a bit about the Who, and uh, they were doing a Tommy parody, but uh, they took it to SNL for a couple. I think Eric Idle hosted SNL, and then they did. Uh, like a Ruddle song on SNL. And from there, Lauren Michaels at SNL decided to uh, produce a full movie, uh, which later became All You Need Is Cash. It was aired on TV in 1978. And is, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It's, uh, I was going to say it paves the way for Spinal Tap, which I think it does. Uh, an- another flawless rockumentary movie, in my opinion, still holds up. I'll still watch Spinal Tap. Me too. Spinal Tap has retained all of its brilliance. And you bring up an interesting point. I wonder if a Rob Reiner would say or has said in interviews that the Ruddles were an influence on him. (laughs) I think I read that, that he was influenced by that. Rob Reiner also had the nerve to tell Paul McCartney one of his songs he submitted for The Princess Bride was too saccharine. And that's when they went with that's when they went with the Mark Knopfler uh, tune. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, That's some I, deep trivia there. M- McCartney, might it might have been Once Upon a Long Ago, which was only released in the UK. It uh, might have been The Loveliest Thing. It's one of those weirdo Phil Ramone McCartney songs from 86 yeah. or 87. And Rob yeah. Reiner was like, you know, Paul, we're okay. <laughs> but my dad's about to make a movie called Summer School. Maybe he'd want it. Carl Reiner, <laughs> the genius behind Summer School, Mark Harmon, hilarious movie chainsaw and dave are better than bill and ted i'm just making that clear have you seen summer no, school i don't i miss summer school i don't know that it, i know carl reiner it, carl reiner did this rando teen movie in the summer of 88 i think 88 with uh, uh mark Harmon. Oh. am i making up that name no is mark no. Harmon the lead singer in the black keys <laughs> who's dan Harmon? Is he the creator of AP Bio? I don't know who anybody is. <laughs> no, Mark Harmon was one of those Brat Packy actors. Right. Yeah. And he, on St. Elsewhere, he was that guy. It, I think so, yeah. But there's two characters in summer school called Chainsaw and Dave that just do, like, <laughs> imagine if Carl Reiner wrote the first Bill and Ted. And it's basically these weird, sophisticated jokes for two yahoos. <laughs> and it's it, it's right dude chainsaw and dave are up tony mendoza's alley at some point oh and Kirstie alley's in it speaking of alleys it's a kirk alley mark Harmon, or dan Harmon vehicle well this is great well i'll have to check that one out speaking of vehicle <laughs> just, i said vehicle and i got excited <laughs> Uh, the Ides of March Chicago band Right I, I love all those Chicago bands The Ides of March And the Buckinghams They're like Yeah my uh, my uncle Was in the Buckinghams For two years <laughs> Everybody's got some story About yeah. their uncle Being in the Buckinghams Or Sticks too Don't, or, don't count out or stick or further north Or is it south I forget I forget what, I forget It was Cheap Trick up north And Sticks was south I forget In the Chicago land Scheme of things I forget yeah, Cheap Trick was Rockford. Yeah, I Cheap think. Trick was Rockford. I think Sticks was maybe the southern suburbs or whatever. It makes perfect sense because Cheap <laughs> Trick is to liberals what Sticks is to Republicans. <laughs> We've put it all together. <laughs> well, without giving out too many gags and too many spoilers and this and that, uh, all you need is cash is a very enjoyable frolic through the prefab for so it's mm-hmm. it's uh ron nasty is the john lennon character played by neil innes who will we'll delve into him later uh but he's he's the guy who wrote all these songs and he was in 
Let's do it now. He was in the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, mm-hmm. also later shortened to the Bonzo Dog Band. Great band. I've been into this band for a long time. I found the history of the Bonzos at Reckless once, and I, I was so curious about this band. Their stuff was hard to find. I finally picked it up. I heard the song, the intro and the outro, which is a fun little thing that Eric Clapton technically does play on. Hi there. Nice to be with you. Happy you could stick around. like to introduce Legs Larry Smith, drums. And Sam Spoon's rhythm pole. And Vern Dudley Bohay Noel, bass guitar. And Neil Innes, piano. Introducing Liberace clarinet. With Donna Ted Armstrong on vocals. Lord Snooty and his pals tap dancing. In the groove with Harold Wilson, violin. Franklin McCormack on harmonica. Over there, Eric Clapton, ukulele. Hi, Eric. I fell in love with this band. I opened up the gatefold cover, and there's a live shot of the saxophonist playing a saxophone, but also holding a thought bubble up next to his head that says, (laughs) I'm really feeling this. (laughs) It's perfect. And I was like, I love this band. They're really visual. Uh, Viv Stanshaw was the leader, um, but Neil Innes wrote a lot of the songs I like. I preferred his songwriting on the their their, their material. They, you know, they dabbled in that dance hall ragtime, whatever that British like old timey music is. But they yeah, also da- did this dance hall days. Love, yeah. Take your baby by the head. Don't take anybody by the head. By the way, <laughs> yeah, that's caveman stuff. Great Ringo vehicle, by the way. Speaking of vehicles, oh Barbara Bach. Speaking of vehicles, <laughs> look, I, I can I can play along now too. I have my uh, for, for doing any fool on the hill bits. I can. Ready for the solo? Sure. Great. For those of you who like high school orchestras, we're the shags of the Beatles here. Well, you're you're accomplished. I'm the shags. Anyway, I'm, I've been making recorded. people think I'm accomplished for decades. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, and you know that. I know We've that. We played together enough. Yeah, but I get hypnotized. So we we just hypnotize each other, and that's what music is. So. Pick up those do- Bonzo Dog records. They're streaming. Like the first one, Gorilla, is great. I remember I actually saw that in a record store in Notting Hill when I was in London for the first time. I went to the record shops. I got a also got a Lonnie Donegan seven inch. I like you a, can't find those. A drinking, talking, <laughs> blinking, walking, living dull. <laughs> was it Lonnie Donegan? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the rock of the line is a very fine line, and a going on a train, and everything's fine. Yeah, that skiffle <laughs> stuff. Skiffle. Yeah. Anywho. And they're also, Tony, in Magical Mystery Tour. While we talk about this, they, of course, sing. The legacy of that band is they sing a song called Death Cab for Cutie, which later influenced. I'm not going to get his name right. Is it Ben Gibbard? I actually like Death Cab for Cutie. I think they're a pretty decent band. Yeah. They were so influenced by the Beatles that they chose that name from that one scene in Magical Mystery Tour. Right, and that song Which, can be found on cool. that Gorilla record, the first uh, Bonzo Dog record. Death cab for cutie. Death cab for cutie. Also, little trivia note, uh, Neil Innes has a song called Slush, and that has been my alarm clock song 
for years now. I wake up to that song. I wake up to the Star Spangled Banner because unlike you, I fucking love this country, <laughs> bitch. Don't listen with your kids. You never know what kind of language is going to come out. <laughs> well, they put the little E on things. They should just figure it out. E for Esher. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's in there. Did you see that? I've seen this movie 50 times and I can't believe I'm like, oh, they do say Esher correctly in this. They do. I thought Giles Martin had been making it up since 2018. I thought it was Escher all my life. It's Esher and they talk about it. There you go. I mean, there you go. One Q conspiracy. We're going to debunk them all by the end of this episode. But that's the first one, that Esher was always called Esher. You hear it in All You Need Is Cash. Eric Idle, as the reporter, says Esher. Uh, so, all oh, right. So Neil Innes played Ron Nasty, who was the John Lennon, and does a great job of him with his little bouncing. And the snarl. <laughs> the snarl. The snarl in his face. He can't. He, he handles it perfectly. And the, the mugging, too. He does a bit where he mugs to the camera. That clip that they always show of Lennon with the acoustic guitar, and it's a, a tilt up. And he, it looks like he has like a tennis ball in his mouth for a minute, and he pushes his tongue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they show that clip, like... Anytime they can to show like <laughs> Lennon had a sense of humor. So and then Eric Idle played the Paul character who was Dirk McQuickly. Dirk McQuickly. <laughs> <laughs> and then they got Ricky Fatar to play the George role as uh, Stig O'Hara was his uh, name. He was the quiet one, so quiet that they never gave him a line. Not he has one. no dialogue. <laughs> he smiles beautifully, though. And in fact, I went through a Ricky Fatar rabbit hole way pre-internet, early 90s. I know you're a Beach Boys diehard, but one of my like favorite them. live albums ever is called The Beach Boys In Concert from 71 or 72. I think we've talked about this on the show. Yeah. Where they were opening for The Grateful Dead. No Brian Wilson. But right, Ricky, right. Ricky Fatar is, I think, playing guitar on that and does some singing as well. And yeah. he's great. And I knew about him from the Ruddles, but he, that Beach Boys live album, because it's none of the... I know you love the kind of early 60s Beach Boysy thing that drives me a little cuckoo. <laughs> this, the striped shirt stuff. Right. <laughs> Like Jesus, guys. Well, I I don't like Barbara Ann, but I like the song about root beer and that you know, give me that root beer, chug a log, chug a log. I like those really stupid songs. <laughs> Listen, I I get that. I don't begrudge that. But if I want to hear "Help Me, Rhonda," I like the jammy version from that in concert album. Yeah, with that intro. And well, like, yeah, Sing they were with us. smoking grass and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mike Love was wearing his guru gear. And yeah, they were a, they definitely turned into a hairier, different looking band. F- they got rid of the striped shirts. Fuck Mike Love. Mike well, Love yeah. is to the Beach Boys what Geraldo Rivera is to journalism. Like Mike Love was cool at one point, kind of, and then just became a kind of then became a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to disagree with that. Aruba, Jamaica. Remember, I, I hate how for 15 years that became not God only knows, not Caroline no, not wouldn't it be nice. Uh, Aruba, what's the name of that fucking song? Cocktail. Kokomo. Co- Kokomo became their signature song for a 15. They're yeah. like, oh, how do we make this song shittier? Let's have John Stamos playing the fucking drums. Let's get into it. So then, and then John uh, Halsey played Ringo's character Barry Wom, which I, I forget what it's short for, but they 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 shortened his name. Yeah, and he was the the noisy one. 
<laughs> so good. <laughs> and we should say that it was Ali Halsall. I don't know how to say his name. Halsall. Uh, Ali Ali Halsall, who who played uh, guitar, and Andy Brown played bass on the recordings of the Ruddles. That's right. And it's Paul McCartney. Uh, it, the uh, Dirk McQuickley tracks were sung by Ali Halsall and mimed uh, by um, Eric Idle. So Eric Idle's not doing any of the singing. He's singing along to right. the track that Ali Halsall recorded doing those Paul parts. Right. And Eric Idle, he plays a, a reporter in this as, as well as Paul. He had a couple other roles in there, too. There's a lot, a lot of people in All You Need Is Cash, a lot of SNL season one era people. Yeah, it's a pretty... And in fact, they made it a sequel in 2002 that we'll get into briefly that I can look at as the sequel reminds me of the new WKRP in Cincinnati that was syndicated <laughs> for two years that had some of the same people, but largely just shit itself. Yeah. Well, it's like Grease 2, or oh, the only one there is... Uh, what's her name? <laughs> Frenchie? Frenchie? Yeah, and Sid Caesar, but Grease 2 is better. <laughs> I, I will do a separate podcast. I love Grease. <laughs> Grease 2's got a better score <laughs> than Grease 1. I just saw Grease 2 for the first time like a month or so ago. It's insane. That movie's fucking insane. The, the movie about the, the song about bowling or whatever. It, it's <laughs> the two biggest songs are these weird <laughs> metaphors for fucking like score tonight <laughs> is kind of about bowling but kind of like we're going to get laid. And then the the big showstopper is called Reproduction and the hook is <laughs> Where does the pollen go? And that's why you like it, because it's the same guy who does Bob, 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 Root beer. <laughs> Give me that root beer, chocolate. So we can get into Grease to another time, but yes, in ter- as sequels go, uh, the beauty of the first Ruddles is the, the cameos from up-and-coming celebrities feel so organic. John Belushi, yeah, he's uh, kind of playing the the Alan Klein role. One of the most inspired bits I've ever seen is Bill Murray as uh, Bill Murray the K. Bill Murray the K is great, so great. Yeah. Basically doing the same shtick he was doing in Meatballs and Stripes right around that time. Like, yeah. A, a, yeah, as much as I love kind of like you know uh, Lost in Translation, Bill Murray and. Uh, you know, all like uh, who? Who's the director who he's done a bunch of his movies in like the early 2000s? Well, there was Sofia Coppola, and then Wes Anderson. Wes know. Anderson's the name I was yeah. trying. Yeah, like as much as I love that Bill Murray, for me, Meatballs, Stripes, Caddyshack. Uh, you know, Bill Murray is uh, that's my favorite Ghostbusters, era. Ghostbusters, all that. Ghostbusters, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Gilda Radner's in it. Um, Dan Aykroyd's in it. Basically, yeah. A lot of a lot of folks. Mick Jagger, I think. Mick Jagger is great in he's this. He's so funny, and I think he's improvising. I'm guessing none of this shit was scripted. They probably had beats. Yeah. Because they interview... Basically, what they're doing is, in the mid-'70s, what became the Beatles anthology by the by 95, when that came out, for years was an idea called The Long and Winding Road that I believe Neil Aspinall was, was trying to uh, coordinate. And... Uh, they sent Eric Idle kind of uh, an advanced copy. It was basically what was going to be the first Beatles documentary seven, eight years after the breakup. So it was still fresh and everyone was still alive and it was going to be one of those things. They never got around to doing it because of all the legal squabbles. But this Ruddles movie was kind of based on the then current working documentary called The Long and Winding Road. That's why it's got this kind of... Here's the story of the Ruddles told as if it was a story of the Beatles, which makes it so great because it was done when they were all alive. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, 
they actually used footage from Long and Winding Road, like the fans and all that stuff was taken from the actual Beatle doc yes. that was and yet to be released. Tony, I don't want to give all the bits away, but one of my favorite bits, uh, this movie has bits I've been, I've been trying to do and copy since I was 12 years old. And one of my favorite bits is the Ed Sullivan intro where they have <laughs> a different actor, two different actors saying, yeah, because it's Ed Sullivan going, and now it's time to introduce the fabulous, the Ruddle. It, they, they do just that gag that <laughs> yeah. now is overdone, but it's so yeah. funny. This is in 78, so, you know, it was fresh. Yeah, and the Letterman show used to do that in the 80s all the time. I used to love it. Pete Fadovich was the, uh, <laughs> he was like the assistant director or something. They always had him overdub all the stuff on the Letterman show because he had this, like, <laughs> Eastern European accent going on. Such a funny bit. Um, but I love that bit. I'll always love that bit. Uh, yeah, there is some, there's some good bits. Like, they have Lepo is the Stu Sutcliffe character, which is named... It's it's a play on Zeppo, the fifth Marx brother. Uh-huh. Uh, there's all the stuff with Leggy Mountbatten. That's um Brian. That's Brian Epstein, that's if Brian, I recall yeah. right. Yeah, and his obsession with their trousers. Trousers is a whole thing. It's a little um, little latent homophobia running through this, especially in the second one. You forget how shitty we all were in 2002 when it's like right. Seinfeld, well, Norm Macdonald being like, "Oh, you can see their balls." Yeah, it's all their balls. Right. Well, is it homophobia or is it is it just poking fun at people in the closet who are, you know, clearly in the closet? Is it is it that? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. There's a, there's definitely a tinge of othering, right? Yes. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, I'll put it this way. It's not, I mean, I, I'm not gay. I don't know if this, I don't want to say it's not offensive for gay people, but it struck me as something you probably wouldn't lean on as heavily in 2020. No. That was probably okay and not mean-spirited in 78, but it did strike me in this in this culture that wow, that's it's a little much with the trousers, and they beat it to death in O two. Uh, the the first Ruddles one, it's it's just kind of there a little bit. The second one, every other thing's about. Well, you can see the outline of their dicks, and Robin coked up. Robin Williams does a dick joke. It's like, <laughs> all yeah. right, two thousand two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like most comedy, not all of it holds up. Uh... All, all of my comedy holds up just fine. Okay, I mean, you replay anything I've ever done, it's still topical and very, very funny. <laughs> oh, hold on a second, wait for it. <laughs> I'll sweeten that with a laugh track. <laughs> do you mind? All yeah, my I'll jokes get sweetened with laugh tracks. What happened to sitcoms when you had people fucking laughing? Look, then nowadays, what's everyone watching? Scrubs with no laugh track? It's all kids watch now is Scrubs in 2020. Give me Taxi. Give me Amos and Taxi. Give me these old shows. Amos and Taxi. Amos and Taxi. <laughs> <laughs> no, there you go. I think you just pitched something. <laughs> It'd be like driving Miss Daisy, but with Dan, what's his name? Danny DeVito, and it's screaming in a cage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, it's it's a it's a it's it's just a funny movie. Uh, go see it on YouTube. It's it's what? It's like an hour. It's just a little over an hour. I think it's not yeah. that long. It, it's about an hour and twenty minutes, and it is such. I think it's funny if you're if you're not a Beatles fan, but if you have a command of the Beatles history, it is so funny and so specific and done with so much love. And we'll get into the music in just a moment. But as we talk about some of the bits, um, 
one thing I've always loved when they reenact the Cavern Club, uh, they get the pace and the quaalude speed of it down so perfectly. This was directed, I think his name is Gary Weiss, longtime uh, director for SNL under Lorne Michaels. So because this was Lorne Michaels produced, Eric Idle kind of co-directed it with the SNL directing team, which is why it has some of that same kind of SNL feel to it from those early days. No, I mean, they got it down. That's the thing. Yeah, the whole movie is just, it's it's pretty perfect. It's pretty perfect. All the Everything they do, even down to like the camera angles of... Let's. I'm just gonna pick out the scene where they're going to see. Um, it's what's their Maharishi guy's name? Uh, I have it written down here. Arthur Sultan. Ar- Arthur Sultan. <laughs> right. The the mystic with the Ouija board. They get into Ouija boards. So stuff. funny. <laughs> so that shot of them going to the train station that we know from the Beatles doing that in around in '67. They're about to find out that Epstein is dead, but before that, and Cynthia misses the train. Like, even just the camera angle that they got the Ruddles doing the same bit on is the same. Like, they, it, it's like they scouted it and they storyboarded it and everything. It's not sloppy. They they got their details right. Well, the, the rooftop stuff, another bit yes. I'm going to give away. One thing that I have laughed at since I was 12 years old that I still laugh at is... Uh, the song they do on the rooftop, which is the one that even John Lennon said, it's called Get Up and Go, It's There, Get Back. Yeah. Even John Lennon, when he saw it, I think told uh, Eric Idle, he's like, you're going to get sued. Yeah. And I love this movie, but it's too close. But when the song starts, it's uh, Neil Innes as uh, Nasty. He just pushes a guy off the roof. There's a photographer or a sound guy. He just pushes him off the roof. They start to play. It's such a dumb Python-esque bit. They don't acknowledge it. They keep on playing. Yeah. And then at the end, the cops really do take them away. Yeah. The the Magical Mystery Tour stuff. Oh, uh, so good. Piggy in the middle. It's shot like I'm the walrus. They have an homage to your mother should know. I mean, it is, it's glorious. One of the reasons I don't think we'll ever see anything like it is it was made so close to the breakup, that perspective. The Beatles were still so fresh in people's minds by the mid-late 70s. If you tried to make it now, it'd be like retracing steps through history. For for these guys, it was almost current. Yeah, yeah, it totally works. It totally works. I love it. Recommend it. What are some What are some of your other favorite scenes before we get to the songs? Anything else kind of struck you that made you just kind of lose your lose your mind a little bit? Well, there's some stuff that definitely tickled me. Like they were playing for the queen and then there's Ed Paul. It's, it's their like, if I fell song <laughs> and Paul's got the vocal and it, there's this shot of Paul, like a profile of Paul. And then they rack focus to the queen and of Dirk. Yeah. Of Dirk. Sorry. I, <laughs> Dirk. Dirk thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but they focus then to the queen and she's, she yawns, takes a big yawn. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most disinterested yawn ever. Makes me laugh so much. And it's such a great Paul pastiche. She goes, shoot me down in flames if I should tell a lie. It's just such a great, like, the lyrics are so early syrupy. Oh, I love it. What else? Anything else? I'll give you a couple more of mine. Anything else stick out that you just love from that movie? I mean, I loved when when they were doing the the ouch movie, which is (laughs) help, (laughs) but it's ouch. So it's so funny. I love, you know, instead of going to the Bahamas and Switzerland and all that, or Austria, they, uh, 
They just have a ramp where they do both. They're they're skiing, but also it's the same location <laughs> as the Bahamas stuff. With, and they're just getting fruit dropped on their heads. I love the apples dropping on their I head. loved Che Stadium for Che Guevara. For Che Guevara? Yeah. So funny. Uh, I, the the Yellow Submarine parody, the animation for Cheese and Onions. That, that is insane. Is, it's perfect. It's the same I people. Mean, it's, it, it it's it is this, I I don't know if it is but it's got to be right? I read I read that it was the same people, yeah man I mean it's perfect it, it's it, everything is fucking perfect it's, it's it's absolutely perfect one of my favorite <laughs> moments in fact uh, in as in our Department of Corrections division we were talking about all you need is love and we talked you asked me a few months ago when we talked about it you're like what do you think about when they when they do the she loves you call back and i remember saying to you i'm like oh yeah it's all off key right isn't it the strangely off key thing it's not i was thinking about love life where they do a callback <laughs> of hold my hand super intentionally <laughs> off key that i've always loved hold my hand <laughs> just the most ridiculous off key <laughs> I love how they uh, how they tackle pot with making it about tea. Uh, the whole notion yeah, of, the of drinking thing. tea is so ridiculous. Uh, you know, uh, they addressed uh, uh, the uh, uh, the notion that the Beatles uh, stole music from uh, black music <laughs> by going to New Orleans and talk to us about bl- famous bluesman Blind Lemon Peel. Well, everything I learned, I learned from the Ruffles. From the Ruttles, really? Yes, everything. But surely you were singing the blues back in the early 30s? No, I was working on the railroad. I worked on the railroad for 30 years or more until I heard the riddles. Then I decided that that's my type of music. I'm going to leave the railroad, and I became a musician, and I've been starving ever since. Uh, another great bit i gotta this is not a spoiler because it's an easy bit but another thing i've always stole and copied is the when the narration on the screen begins going too quickly and the announcer's trying to catch up the ruddles are a legend a a living legend a legend that will live after other living legends have died and now the it's it's just so funny it's it's gag after gag after bit after bit all rooted in a love for the beatles and now tony let's get to why this thing succeeds so well, these pastiche songs written predominantly by Neil Innes. I don't know if Eric Idle had a hand in the lyrics or not, but I'm pretty sure the credit is words and music by Neil Innes. Yeah, I think and it's they're all him. the they're the greatest beat. Like I said at the top of this, the greatest Beatley non Beatles music you will ever hear. It's inspired genius. I agree. I agree. I love Neil Innes. We lost him last year. Um, at the end of December, yeah, at the end of the year, and uh, yeah, so rest in rest in power. He left behind a wonderful legacy, uh, and you can stream both uh, the 1978 self titled Ruddles record, and then in '96 they put out their Archaeology, <laughs> which is a spoof on the which we'll get into anthology. as a response yeah. to the anthology, which is so funny. Well, yeah, let's do it. I, I mean, let's do let's do it quick, but uh, we got. I, I, I can go track by track. Uh, 
These are so fun. I think they deserve it. And uh, before you do that, I will tell you real quick, I have the soundtrack album, but because when the soundtrack was reissued a couple years ago, I bought the 180 gram. There were six songs left off the movie soundtrack that were on the CD when Rhino picked it up. That was a big deal for me too, by the way, when Rhino issued the CD in 1990, I bought that at the Coconuts. It, it, it was no longer Peaches. <laughs> at the Coconuts on Diversity and Clark on CD in one of those, you remember, like in the long box? Oh, wow. Yeah, I totally remember long box. In fact, Glenn Danzig autographed my Danzig 3 How the Gods Kill long box. <laughs> you an autograph long box? That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Not just an autograph, a Danzig it's autographed a d- long box. <laughs> Dude, listen, I don't know your finances. Go to eBay, see what those are going for, and buy yourself a new car. I mean, just think about it. But at any rate, when they reissued the album, there were six songs on it, so the 180 gram came with this bonus 45 um, that has all uh, the six songs left off. So let's go track by track and talk about the influences, our favorites, and let's kind of roll through these. Yeah. Because the soundtrack is incredible. I agree. It, it kicks off, so it goes in chronological order, if you will, uh, it, to the Ruddles story, and that is uh, Goose Step Mama, mm-hmm. which I have as, this is like their cavern period. Uh, it's, to me, this is their Some Other Guy. Uh, yeah, this is a song they're singing in their cavern period. While you tinker with some tailors, someone sold you to a sailor. I don't know what <laughs> any of it means. <laughs> it ends on that sixth chord, the you know, the famous Beatles sixth chord. That ended a lot of those early songs. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. I like it. It's a good energy kicks off the whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 a great and fun track. It's very caverny, very hamburgy. I have written down here off-key backing vocals in the final verse, which maybe is something. Well, it's almost punky. The oh yes kind of almost sound like uh, almost like Ramones punky every time I hear it. I mean, it was recorded around the same. It was recorded at the same time. As Ramon's records being recorded. Yeah, so there's that spirit's there. Remember the little VJ compilation, the Ruddles versus the Ramones? <laughs> Go head to head, six of their class. <laughs> Judged by Frank Ifield. <laughs> Featuring Mary Hopkin as Frank Ifield in the Jackie Lomax story. <laughs> Sour Milk Sea, the Broadway musical. That's what we're going to be left with in a couple of years. I love it. That Jackie Lomax record's good. And, you know, Elvis covered one of those songs. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, Elvis made one of those Jackie Lomax songs like a, a live staple. In fact, I knew the Elvis version before I knew the Jackie Lomax version. I never knew that. Jackie yeah. Lomax, for those who don't know, Apple recording artist that George Harrison produced is, I think, one and only solo LP. Yeah, on Apple. Yeah, one of the few Apple artists that, yeah, existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can stream that one, too. So if you are curious, it's out. Uh, followed by a song called Number One, which sounds a lot like La Bamba to me. It's it's their kind of twist and shout yeah. is kind of how I always interpret it. It even is ah yes. number one. They even do that that little thing at the yeah. end. Yeah, just a great silly little tune. 
But a great pop song in its own right. Just a fun little silly pop song. One and one make two. Those overly simplistic lyrics, which that's a whole mm-hmm. thing. That's a thread through a lot of the, er- the early work are these ridiculously sim- simplistic <laughs> lyrics, which is just genius. It's so funny because they're yeah. satirical. They're written simply to be satirical. And that's what's so great. Uh, it's also it's got the cowbell in there, too. You know, that 1964 cowbell on the on the quarter notes and a very cool unexpected bridge it go the bridge goes to a different key which is really cool the whole thing's neat yeah when i fell for you i didn't need it it's just it's 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 a neat surprise they threw in there you could tell i I, neil ennis was clearly brilliant i mean his what he get away with on this even the stuff that steals a bit steals from it perfectly yeah i agree uh baby let me is next and when I was when I was listening to this, I was like, "What song is this?" And I, I Wikipedia said it's it's like it's a version of a cover song, so version of like some other guy, Roll Over Beethoven. I got like Long Tall Sally in the solos. Yep, a little bit, and maybe a little bit of I saw her standing there. The vibe, at least. Again, these are pastiches; they don't have to be like Weird Al, you know, copies. So it's fun. It's it's fun to figure out like what all the little elements, the, the little ingredients from certain things that fall into these songs. So many of them have more than one reference in each song. It was almost like what they did with Love 30 some years before Love came out. The, right, the, right. The Vegas show. They just took bits and pieces and threw them in a pot and came up with these Beatles uh, pastiches. So then, now here, here we have our first like big hit, and that would be "Hold My Hand." One of my favorite songs on the album. I've been putting the song on mixes for thirty years. <laughs> it's so good. I'm not the kind of guy who likes to play Big Brother, but I've just seen your date outside his whip. Another. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of all my loving. Definitely. A, with there's a tiny bit of eight days a week in the intro, even though that came later, that kind of chromatic build. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, little bit of that, but it's just pure joy. Like it almost the movie That Thing You Do, I kind of put that and that was all <laughs> written by the guy from a band called Fountains of Wayne, who's yeah, also Adam, since passed away. Adam Schlesinger. Adam yeah, we lost him Schlesinger. to COVID. Who again? Brilliant. I mean, and some of the fountains, uh, fountains of Wayne stuff's great. I know he did all the music for Jane the Virgin too, but he wrote that the song, the thing you do, which this and that kind of feel very parallel to each other because that is almost a Ruddles type of Beatles tribute. The thing yeah, you man. do uh, main theme. The own eaters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, and then then this incorporates the bongos. Then you get the when the bongos come in around with like the a hard Beatles day's era. night. Yeah. yeah, hard day's night. Yeah. Uh, the solos are so great. The guitar solos because they're so George. They're a little off, and this is in the early years when his guitar playing still was, you know, it was Carl Perkins inspired, but like it's a little behind the beat here and there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and then that Paul harmony and the, on the tag, he does that same harmony he does, I think on all my loving. Yeah. Hold my hand. Yeah. Woo. 
<laughs> it's yeah. right there. I love it. Hey, here's a little trivia for you. Only on the vinyl, the original cassette, and the 8-track, not on the CD reissue, it begins with the sound of a jet airplane. This song kicks off the album on the vinyl issue, and it begins with a jet airplane fading in, and there's some studio oh. chatter. And it's one of those weird, like, when Rhino put the, C- the CD out, they went to the original master and not the master that was used to cut the original Warner Brothers album. Got it. So right, the CD and streaming version are just, it opens with a guitar intro. On the vinyl, it's a jet airplane like back in the USSR. Right. Some studio chatter and then into the song. I'll, I'll, I'll rip it for you and send it to you. It's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, so I, I guess... For a fee, <laughs> which I'm not sending to Ask Cap. Fuck you, Ask Cap. Not fuck you, Ask Cat. It's a brilliant improv form <laughs> that we just don't see enough anymore. Like the bat. <laughs> the bat is where it's in the dark. <laughs> yes. we're do- technically, we're doing a bat, right? All our <laughs> podcasts are bats. <laughs> also, in the dark, you can stream that great mid-80s Grateful Dead album. I mean... Or Billy Squire. Wasn't that a Billy Squire song, too? Take me in your arms. Rock me. (laughs) He played with Ringo on tour, and I thought that was probably when Ringo jumped the shark. Ringo Starr and the All-Star Band featuring Ringo, the guy from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Billy Squire, Sheila E. on select dates, and random people from Toto. (laughs) I like that the guy from Emerson, Lake, and Palmer wasn't either Emerson, Lake, or Palmer. Just... The, he was the other guy. <laughs> Should have been Emerson, Lake, Palmer, <laughs> and Schwartz. But <laughs> no, no, that's my law form. Law form. Da law form. Ba 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 baran. Rule of fours. Chugalug. <laughs> so that's okay, a so great song. Hold my hold hand. Hold my hand is is one we that if somebody it. said, "Let me be in shoes the ruddles," I play that for them immediately. It's inf- it's yeah. genuinely infectious as its own uh, as its own piece. Then uh, then they do kind of their cover thing. So again, I'm going by what's streaming now. So it yes. might be a different to what you're used to. Well, you know, vinyl's the authentic way to. <laughs> Oh, we're back? Okay. And coming up next, Ringo's Bad Boy. Have a good week, Tony. Thanks. Oh No, we still have like 27 more songs. Okay. So Blue Suede Schubert is basically like their, it's it's like their cover. It's their rollover Beethoven. It's their Please Mr. Postman. It's whatever cover you want to call it, right? There, there's so much, uh, I think Goosestep Mama, I meant to mention this too. Another thing in the movie, John, the Yoko Ono equivalent is vaguely a Nazi. Oh, yeah. And she's she's wearing a swastika the whole time. Uh, Goosestep yes. Mama. There's, this is that era when like it was, I, uh, Mel Brooks started making fun of the Holocaust in what, 69 is when the producers came out or 70? Years before the Ruddles, obviously. Yeah. But but making fun of Germans and making fun of their role in World War II was still a big British comedy thing. There's a whole Faulty Towers from 75 about a German guest coming, and uh, they keep telling John Cleese not to mention the war, but all he does is mention the war. So yeah. it's interesting, the Nazi imagery and all that in the 70s, something else you probably couldn't do now. As a Jew, I think it's totally funny and hilarious. I am 0% offended by it, but you probably can't do that now. Right, right. No, it's it's different because things are different now. Nazis are back. They're not something that's like, oh, that's a right. thing of the past. Ha ha, wasn't that horrible? This is how we're dealing with the horrors of that. We're making fun of people that would still hold on to these insane beliefs. 
mm-hmm. is the idea. So it's, <laughs> and that was the one thing in the movie. So Lennon loved the movie uh, and actually kept his copy to view. It was like his approval copy. He never gave it back. And that was the one thing he was like not sure about was like his portrayal of Yoko as a Nazi. But Yoko thought it was hilarious, and therefore he was yeah, like, it was "Okay, performance arty." Yes, it, it was. It's it, it's performance art stuff. I mean, it's hilarious. All the wives are portrayed hilariously. Yes, they are. Yeah, uh, Bianca Jagger as as uh, Dirk's wife is also Dirk, funny. <laughs> Dirk's aloof French wife who doesn't necessarily <laughs> speak French. Just such good gags. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorites is after that. I must be in love. This is a great one. Right? My second favorite song <laughs> on it. This one is. This is more bongos. This is more yeah. like kind of hard days night era. Ruttlemania exploding. What a great, great song. It's a great song. It's also. I mean, if I may, it's ticket to ride too. That guitar, the guitar pattern, and the drums are ticket to, to ride. Totally yes. Overly simplistic lyrics. I love, am I dead or alive? (laughs) (laughs) Will my poor heart survive? It's so good. You're right. Uh, Because it's not... It's not banal trite. It's satirically trite. Yeah. And there is a difference. Maybe we're just a couple old comedy nerds, but there is a difference. You can do trite satirically, and that's what Neil and us got away with here. Um, It's just, it's all so good. Yeah. Definitely one of my favorites. I must be in love. Am I in love? I must be in love. It's so good. <laughs> the the ooh la la la's kind of have a rubber soul feel to it in the backgrounds. Yeah, and the, well, there's a twelve string kind of a Rickenbacker thing going on. So they're they're getting into that mid period. You know, it's still the hard days night gag, but they're getting into the mid period. And again, like well, you said, th- the bongos. Yeah, and that's another fascinating thing about uh, how Neil Innes wrote all the stuff. Tony, I read that he didn't go song by song and try to write a pastiche of Ticket to Ride here, Can't Buy Me Love here. He just let Beatles songs come to him and kind of, like, it, it was all very organic. It was, and you can tell this in the the freedom of the music. It's not some studied, oh, this is clearly Can't Buy Me Love. Oh, this is clearly And I Love Her. They all have myriad Beatle influences within each song, sometimes several within each measure. That's hard to do. You need to own this music in your soul to write music like that. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Wild, wacky stuff. (laughs) Carcinio. Uh, (laughs) With a Girl Like You is after that, which is a If I Fell kind of a thing. Uh, See, I avoided saying pastiche there. I almost said it. The P -hmm. P happened. The P happened, TJ. Yes, if you're talking about that that Trump tape. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, we all know the PP happened. It, oh, it definitely happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one has claves on it, you know, to give it that, uh, that you thing. Love claves. I do love claves. Magic bus, man. Uh, that's, that's all magic bus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, this is one that's, it's almost too close. Cause I think it does. It starts in a key and then it goes down half a step. Just like if I fell mm-hmm. does, which I think starts in E it's either starts in E and then goes to E flat or the other way around, but yeah, it starts in E. Yeah, then goes down to E flat. Uh huh. Just I love, which I love. Mm-hmm. Give me a half step down. That's why I love the ventures and surf music. All those half step 
changes. Do you have or have you heard that Ventures Christmas album from the... Yeah, I, I have it. I, I used to play it when I drove trolleys. That was the one I would play during holiday shuttles. Well, uh, hashtag holiday shuttles. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, 2020, great year for a holiday shuttle. Definitely. Want to sit next to other sweaty, cold people? <laughs> Uh, I, I bring that up because that is, as a Christmas-loving Jew, that is, with all due respect to the Vince Guaraldi, Charlie Brown album, the Ventures Christmas album is my favorite Christmas album because they sample riffs from then-current songs yeah. before yeah, getting into... Yeah, there's some Beatles into, stuff in there, right? Isn't yeah, it's like got a, I Feel fine. Yeah, I Feel Fine's I think, in there, I right. think it's a... Where does it go? It's a... Yeah, I think they kind of just like that's yeah. my gag is that too. So I love that Ventures album. <laughs> it's good. Anyway. I think the Scrooge song is my favorite on the. On that's that one. such a. <laughs> <laughs> did I get that? That's a Scrooge drum, right? Yeah, like, I think you I got, got it. Right? Com- you did it. Yeah, you did. Right. See, that's what I meant by accomplished. All right. <laughs> uh, followed up by Between Us. Uh, and when I wrote this, when I heard this, I'm like, what, what song is this? And I, I could only kind of put it like with And I Love Her with those acoustic bits in it. And you're going to lose that girl. Again, claves. With a little bit of I Need You coming from the George perspective. Oh, yeah. I've always yeah. heard a little bit of that. M- minus that cool guitar effect that George does in I Need You, which I love. That the volume re- pedal. Yeah. The volume pedal, yeah. yeah. That's I, that's another great song. These are all great songs. They're all great. <laughs> then we get into, uh, fuck, what's his name? Barry. <laughs> Barry's song. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that you could just play these. <laughs> They've been in my head for so long. They they've been in my head for the last two weeks. Ever since I put this on, I started digging into this two weeks ago, and these songs have been in my head. Uh, yeah, this one it's is a so perfect fun. Ringo pastiche, Tony. It's perfect Ringo. It's sung like Ringo. Yes, it's vaguely country without being country. Right, that weird thing he was able to do, British shit kicker stuff, <laughs> Northern British <laughs> urban shit kicker. Walking around the city. So perfect. That extra long drum fill going into the final bit. I love the way this one <laughs> this one ends. It's just such like a <laughs> musical country. To, it's so fun. Yeah, that's a great one. It's good. It's good. Uh, then we get into Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I mean, just the title is funny, man. Ouch. It's so funny. And the <laughs> album cover they have... Of it is so funny. I should tell you, before we get into Ouch, in the liner notes for the uh, Ruddles LP, albums currently available on Ruddle, another one of my favorite jokes, they show some of these in the uh, in the movie, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, Gifted, and Black. It's one of my... <laughs> it's, it's just so 
funny. The French Beach Boys, Les Garçons de la Plage, California Boys. <laughs> yeah, that was, I liked, I mean, again, with the. <laughs> it's a little much. Okay, so, ouch. Yeah. Don't desert me. Ouch. Please don't hurt me. Ow, 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 ouch. It's so funny. It almost, Again, I say this as a Jew. The song almost has a Jewish bent to it. <laughs> like, oi. Like, like, ouch, don't, uh, please don't hurt me. <laughs> so funny. It's a great one. Yeah, clearly it's help. The backing vocals responding or parroting the, the lead vocals, uh, the dis- the descending guitar bits, the closing vocal, the ooh, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. I think Ouch would be a great name for a Ruddles tribute band. Well, you and I were in a Rush <laughs> tribute band called Timeless Wavelengths, so you're the expert on we, this. We are. We are. I. Uh, what do you mean we're? I'm. I'm. We're still in that band, TJ. We have a gig Saturday. Oh my god! I, I got to get the non-free Zoom account for that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're playing Zoom Martyrs, man. <laughs> we're opening for Tributosaurus. Uh, all right. Timeless wavelengths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're doing King Crimson. We're doing Rush. We're doing a. It's a Prague Day. Uh, <laughs> I like King Crimson. I wish Court of the Crimson King was, you know, longer. <laughs> More flute. <laughs> More, flute. More space. And <laughs> I think they I think they have like 10 seconds of space before they <laughs> do the flute reprise. The, uh, the uh, only time flute has ever been used perfectly on a rock record is Can't You See by the Marshall Tucker Band. There I said it. <laughs> and if I may, my Please. favorite cover... My favorite cover of King Crimson's In the Court of the Crimson King was by Howard Stern's and the Losers, his band. It's amazing. I ne- never heard that one. <laughs> oh, it was so good. The rehearsals are better. I think you can hear the finished version, but when he was rehearsing, it was the best because he would go into this fucked up falsetto for the... <laughs> he would go into his low Howard Stern voice, In the Court of the Crimson. <laughs> Yeah, I was in stitches listening. To, this is the, the terrestrial days. Anyway, now, are you referring to the finished version or the Finnish version? Because <laughs> Finland always got the better mixes. I don't know why. I have this in good confidence. My therapist told me that um, Finland and Ireland might be good places to move uh, <laughs> if if the election goes shitty. So anyway, just I don't know, throwing it out me there. Me and my family are thinking Mississippi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we in trouble. <laughs> oh, shitballs. Let's get back to the ruddles and yes. take our mind off life. Well, this is the perfect song. It's called It's Looking Good. It's a great one. This one was left off the original soundtrack. It's it's all rubber soul. This song feels very rubber soul-y to me. Yeah, I was like, what song is this? And uh, yeah, it was saying that it's parts act naturally, and then I'm looking through you. I got run for your life for some reason. I don't know me why. Me too. Okay, I'm, I couldn't figure out why, though. Why am I thinking that song? There's no, like... You know, there's no like monkeys looking guitar in there. I couldn't figure it out. But it feels very mid period. It's got that run for your life gait to it. It's got kind of that the 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 vibe to it. Yeah. With a little I'm looking through you act naturally. I never heard in it, but I got run uh, run through your life, run through your life, (laughs) run through your life. That, That was the working title for in my life. 
It ran at a faster clip. And you know this. I also I coach football for got fifty years. I was really pro CTE. I think the more kids who were damaged is kind of how I coach. I'm, I'm like my generation's who holds. And I'd say, run through your life, run through your life, and that meant get that tackle, murder the small kid. These were the things I would coach. No, that's good. That's good. I think you. I think you might do well in that Mississippi. You're thinking about. <laughs> One of my favorite lines here is, uh, not a man of words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> words, yeah, yeah. It's a great line. <laughs> great song. Um, yeah, that's a good one. All right, now we're, now we're getting into the, the colorful stuff. So Double Back Alley is up next. Probably my favorite song on the entire uh, catalog. Yeah. I mean, the piano part's great. It's the single greatest Penny Lane reimagining you could ever write because it's not Penny Lane and it's a different song, but it wouldn't exist without Penny Lane. And it's its own chamber pop, piano pop beauty. There's no other song like it that I've ever heard, like Double Back Alley, for real. Uh, it's hilarious, too. It's hilarious. Yeah. The, so funny. The whole, the kind of like, yeah, looking back with the, the nostalgia, the rose tinted nostalgia. Uh, neighbors were loud, but ever so pally. If it ever so pally. And milk bottles out. <laughs> and they even put the little bell in there that's in Penny Lane. Uh-huh. Ding, 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 ding. The fireman bell, yeah. Funny man in the ice cream van who talks so queer. <laughs> it and it's got all the key changes and yeah. the brass bum 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 bada. It just yeah the piccolo it's, it's, trumpet. It's buoyant and joyous. This is this is my favorite song on the entire Ruddles album. It's definitely it gets in your head. This one got in my head and I I totally dug it. Yeah, it's so good. Double back alley, basically Penny Lane. So mm-hmm. funny. Uh, then there's the Lucy in the Sky send up. Good times roll. Yeah, not one of my favorites. I feel like the verses are so great and the chorus is kind of a bit comparatively pedestrian. The see how the good times roll. It feels like its own different song. Yeah. The verses are per- perfectly aping Lucy in the Sky in that pastiche kind of form. But the chorus doesn't do much for me in this one. The chorus is almost like a let it be era. Get back era chorus yeah. you know it's a great it, point it sounds like it, it got more into or even white album for that it sounds more rock and roll than the lucy chorus but i mean those lyrics are hilarious thousands of nothings to do blue upon blue upon blue <laughs> i misheard a word i misheard it as psychedelicatessen <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was genius. I think of the whole, it's what they're saying. Is that right? Okay. I think that is. It's one of their in-jokes. You know, I did a lyrics.com thing and it said something else. But that to me, that totally fits in with the whole yellow submarine sandwich thing. I'm looking at the liner notes. Psychedelic intestines in the lyrics right here. Okay. Yeah. Well, then there you go. It's perfect. Invisible ink. <laughs> Swastika, Swastika Nightingales. <laughs> But that was the, that was the Go Go's first name before they got mainstream. Yeah, when Darby Crash was in the band. Oh man, 
That's yeah. So that's a good one. And then it's followed up by George uh, Stig's uh, Guru song, Nevertheless, mm-hmm. which is very, <laughs> very George. It's very, very George. Yeah. So this is all. Yeah. This is basically within you, without you, but also love you too. Again, the overly simplistic lyrics. Uh, and then, yeah, I just love nevertheless. <laughs> so funny. And, that, and it's short. It is short. It's really short. And that closes side one in the vinyl release, ends with nevertheless. Is that yeah. right? I wonder if that's why it was so short. Like, it's, I think it's under two minutes. It's so funny. Or maybe they were just giving us a break because, you know, Within You Without You is the longest song, right? Is it? I forget if Day in the Life is longer. But anyway, you know, that one's long. Hey Jude's the longest. Right? I meant on Sergeant Pepper. Oh, on Sergeant Pepper, right. Yeah, what, yeah. You're, now you're going to tell me Hey Jude's not on Sergeant Pepper? Dude, <laughs> Dave Dexter produced Sar- Sergeant Pepper. And, yeah. and it, it opens with any time at all. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with lots of reverb on the drums. <laughs> that, what a fun exercise to Dave Dexterize the Sergeant Pepper in post oh, record. That that's what fun. we're going to do. We're going to do, yeah, the American, the 50th anniversary of the Dave Dexter <laughs> Reimagined. <laughs> Dude, catalog. I love the Abbey Road medley. It goes from Polythene Pam into Hold Me Tight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it sounds real washy. Right. Uh, oh, right. Lord. So, one of my favorites is the next song, uh, Love Life. Mm-hmm. And it's not so the funny. music that I love so much, it's it's how much of a, of a, of a goof on All You Need Is Love it is. Because, you know, all you need is love is in this weird time signature, right? Mm-hmm. It You don't notice it when you listen to it. It's, Lennon makes it work. And that's the genius of John Lennon, is that he's able to take it. So the verse is broken down. It's 29 beats. This is all you need is love. It's 29 beats split into two measures of 7-4. So we're mm-hmm. in 7-4. Fuck you, Brubeck. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a single bar of 8 four followed by a one bar return of seven four and then the chorus is four four but the last bar is in six four you know and it's just so it's if you've ever heard i think echo and the bunnyman covers it as a four four song and you can hear it that way if you're just imagining what it would sound like in four four i'm sure terry hammer will play it on sunday Wonderful Susie and the Banshees, jealous guy. I don't need to hear it. <laughs> Always Susie and the Banshees. <laughs> so Love Life is in this also this fucked yeah. up time signature it turns out it's 5 4 but it's but it's but it's this seesaw like seasick mm-hmm. kind of thing where it's like back and forth and then i i just love it
And it opens instead of the French thing, it opens with Battle Hymn of the Republic. The <laughs> so, Dixie thing. So funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> such a great joke. Oh my God. They just did everything right. You everything. Know? They just did everything and right. I don't know who produced it. I want you to look at the liner notes right now and see if it says who produced the music. But George Martin, uh, his influence is all over this too because the arrangements and orchestrations are perfectly beatly. They really are. Yeah. John Altman did the brass and string arrangements. Go. Guy named John Altman, who later directed Nashville. Oh, what? <laughs> I thought that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. He used a lot of <laughs> slow zooms. <laughs> That's what I have on a work day when my internet's not working. Slow zooms. You know, folks, this pandemic. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I got a cousin who was in the fucking Buckinghams. They used to live in Rogers Park. He was in, yeah, he had some hits in the 2000s. They haven't recorded since the 60s. Stop lying about your cousin being in the Buckinghams. No, go check him out. He's going to be, uh, what is it? Oh, uh, DuPage County Fair, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Opening up uh, for uh, new sticks. <laughs> new sticks. <laughs> N U S T Y X. Yeah, two dots over the U. Oom la You know, folks, Hanson, the new Beatles. Okay, what's the next one? Piggy in the middle. Let me just say too, I love love life for the same reasons you do, and we're going to talk a little about archaeology. But Shangri La, I think, was. Uh, I, written in the same spirit. That's a song that had existed in Neil Innes' catalog even before the first Ruddles resurrected for the Archaeology album in 96. And I think Love Life's a stronger song over Shangri-La. They serve similar purposes. Yeah, yeah. Shangri-La tackles a few more songs. Love Life just keeps it down to one. Yeah. Um, yeah, next up is then, yeah, well, then Piggy in the Middle comes next, which is the, this one is another one that's real close. Uh-huh. Uh, to I am the walrus. Uh, great song though. More of those fantastic, stupid lyrics. <laughs> it's it's so John Lennon. Hey diddle diddle, the cat and the fiddle, piggy in the middle. It's so good. You go boo boo ba boo. He didn't say goo 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 He has that kind of like. Yeah. It's so you funny. Have flip. You have to flip it. <laughs> but you should know by now that you're not me. I love that. <laughs> I love line. that lyric. <laughs> So funny. <laughs> Which that speaks to the whole, you know, Kurt Claudio thing where the where the the guy that shows up on John Lennon's lawn, you know, this like scraggly hippie from America showing up to find the answer from the you know, John Lennon, this mm-hmm. larger than life guy. But really, like, but you should know by now that you're not me. Like, I wrote that song. Kurt Claudio, you're you. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in that Imagine documentary. It's so good. I love that they it were rolling good. on that. Scary. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah. Well, it's especially uh, scary given how John was killed and given how George was almost killed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. George had a was stabbed. Right. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't he stabbed and Olivia fended him off? Or they both well, Olivia him fe- off? Olivia fended him off with um, a huge lamp. Apparently, George yeah. George started chanting the uh, Krishna mantra. And right, right. his attacker thought he was speaking in tongues and began to attack to even attack him even harder. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Whew. Well, that, yeah. interestingly, in Piggy in the Middle, the thing that they say backwards is Stig is dead, honestly. Right. Yeah, honestly. It's <laughs> so, so it's another great in bit. 
<laughs> great one. Great song. And the video of it in the um in the yeah. Ruddles movie is a love letter to I Am the Walrus and Magical Mystery Tour as a whole. And they even get the gear right. I mean, I'm sure that's actually George's Stratocaster that was used in I, I Am the Walrus. And then Gotta be. uh what do you call it? Uh Dirk is playing the Rickenbacker bass. Like they got their gear like they got their fucking shit down on yeah, this. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Uh, then the song that you opened the show up with, TJ, Another Day. And like you said, not the Paul McCartney song, which I think is so funny that it's called Another it's Day, but so it's not. Funny. It's so funny. It's got to be intentional. Like, how do we piss Paul off even more? Um, <laughs> uh, but some of my favorite lines, a, a glass of wine with Gertrude Stein, I thought I'd never share, but I, I don't it. mind. That's just the pain, that, uh, that's just the cross that one man must bear. It's so fucking great. Oh, it's so perfect. You're so pusillanimous. Pusillanimous. It's so perfect. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's. You can see why Paul. You can see why Paul may not have had a sense of humor about it. You know, I mean, I could see having a sense of humor about it, but yeah, they're they're poking fun at him. You know, his highly waxed vocabulary oh, and you know? and so funny and that kind of British music hall. It's it's very Martha, my dear. Yeah, that's totally what it is. Oh yeah, same same feel. It's like what you were talking about last week with chaos and creation with his uh, Bon Adventure thing. Very right? twee, very me. <laughs> when he's doing there, would you like some English tea? Where I'm like, it's a little too twee. Or where he no, where he was uh, with regards to pusillanimous, where he oh, was right. like trying to get his Bon, whatever that phrase he was trying to work into his was it Bon Adventure, Paraventure, Paraventure, Paraventure. We might play. <laughs> I, I was going by memory. I wrote down Bon Adventure. <laughs> Good adventure. Dude, uh, Bon Iver, when I need to rock, like, I, I'm a rock fan, like, and you know this about me. I like rock. And when I really want to rock, two things, Bon Iver's greatest hits and the Garden State soundtrack. When I really just want to rock the fuck out. I used to be an ACDC guy. Now, now, now it's Tegan and Sarah and Segan and Tara. <laughs> Captain and uh, the Captain and Tagi. I don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> this episode brought to you by Edibles, now available in different colors. Oh man, I wish I, 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 I'll maybe later. All right, now it's time for the huge hit. I think according to Spotify, this might be their most popular song: "Cheese and Onions." Yes, yeah, great one. In the Ruddles movie, <laughs> this one is illustrated so beautifully. It's kind of like their day in the life. Yeah, it's it's the the, the animation is the yellow submarine stuff, and then yeah, the song with the piano has the day in the life vibe. I'm also getting jealous guy off of it. Yes, and um, you know the play, the cheese and onions, the titles of play on scrambled eggs, that whole thing. Um, I'm also getting bits of across the universe and mind games in there. Yeah, a little bit. It's got a very solo mid seventies John feel to it. I love it. Do I have to spell it out? And then he does spell C-H-E- out the H E E S E O I N. Oh no. <laughs>
fucking funny, man. My favorite part is opposed to the day in the life ending. As opposed to that, that it just ends with uh Yeah. Just that one <laughs> yeah. short piano after the build-up, the build-up, the build-up, that it's over. It's yeah. so good. Oh, I love it. So good. All right. And then it's uh then it goes into get up and go. Which this is the one that Innes got sued by. Uh, it wasn't the Beatles. It was the publishing company that owned the Beatles stuff at that time in '78. Yeah, they sued him because this was too close to get back. Which it is. It is, but it's so funny. <laughs> oh, it's funny, no doubt about it. No uh, in fact, it. it's so close that it's not even on the original soundtrack album. That's it's right. on the EP. They left it out the soundtrack, I think, for fear of this one's close. Yeah, yeah. Lennon, Lennon warned Innes that it might be too close, and it was. So he ended up, uh, yeah, he ended up having to give 50% of his royalties to, you know, uh, ATV Music, whoever owned it at that time. Um, but just for the songs on that record when it came out in 78. Right. So none of the stuff that was on TV, he still got 100% and all that. Uh, but yeah, that's how that ended up, which is just so funny, you know, <laughs> that the lawsuits happened on this parody of this thing that was approved of by basically by the band while they were all in the middle of suing each other. That's right. one of the funny things about this too. Slide guitar is hilarious because it it's it's bonkers because it goes it goes a little higher than than it totally uh, does. It's a little busier too. It's like it's perfect. It's perfect. It's just perfect. One of the few flaws <laughs> in this entire Ruddles experience, as we kind of wrap, but I think there's one song left in the uh, the main first Ruddles. Um, no Billy Preston, no organ that you see. I wish they'd had a Billy Preston type character both on the roof yeah. and on the record. They got that wrong. Yeah, they you're right. Yeah, that, that could have been fun. That could they could have had Garrett Morris do that. <laughs> Musical <laughs> guest Garrett Morris. <laughs> yeah, that but that 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 just kind of caught me that that uh would have been a nice opportunity to bring in some organ for that. But yeah, and there's one last track on the soundtrack, right? Yeah, let's be natural. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's funny. I was like, when I first heard, I was like, "What is this?" Because it's and uh, to me, I got "Let It Be," but more like the era, across the universe, child of nature, dear Prudence, Mother Nature's son. For me, it's very heavy, dear Prudence. That's the one I kept going back to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Th- some of these lyrics are just so funny. Time goes by, as we all know. <laughs> Naturally. (laughs) Naturally. Stars are in the sky naturally. Everything is everything. uh, When did... Who sang hit... uh, Ian Drury and the Blockheads had a hit called Hit Me With Your Rhythm Stick, where he also sings of every woman, every man. Hit me with your rhythm stick. From Milan to Yucatan. Every woman. 
and I don't know when the Ian Jury tune came out, but I wasn't sure if that was in one was an homage to the other. I, We're yeah. talking Ruddles and Ian Jury and the Blockheads. This is the <laughs> if you're white and in your forties, you'll love the Untitled Beatles podcast. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, if you got if you got a couple hours, we're gonna talk about the Ruddles, bro. <laughs> Deal with it. All right, let's get into Camp by Me Lunch. Yeah, we we can do a quick a quick deep dive on this one and the archaeology soundtrack too. Yeah, and maybe we can explore these more fully later. But at any rate, in '96 they came out with Archaeology, which unfortunately, while being a great album, is so much Neil Innes. The Ali uh, Halsell Paul songs are nowhere to be found. This is really Ricky Vitar. I think has got one or two, but it's Neil Innes. So it's almost like a John George Ringo album. Right. Which was kind of the bit because the Threedles were happening during anthology. Right. So right. it does kind of work. It, it totally worked. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, it's great. Some gr- Some great songs on that too. You know, uh, the opening Major Happy's Up and Coming Once Upon a Good Time band, which is kind of, a, it's a little more out of context. The first Ruddle soundtrack goes chronologically. This one's all over the place. It's kind of a, a catch-all of different Ruddle songs. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they have the demos, We've Arrived, and to prove it, we're here. That uh, Shangri-La is a great song. There's great songs on this one. I don't think any of them hit the inspired heights of the first one. Perhaps not, but there are, I, let's, let's list some favorites. I'm going to, I'll start with... Um, I think my favorite on it is Unfinished Words. Great song. Which it sounds like a it actually sound like it sounds like it's supposed to be Revolver era and it it definitely sounds like a garage there's some garage band that ha, that did this song in 1966. It just I've it sounds like it's something that should be on Garage Hangover that website. It, it's 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 on a Knickerbockers album somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite bits of it are that he mentions two Beatles songs that were rumored to have existed when I got into the Beatles as like these unreleased Beatles songs from the Sgt. Pepper revolver era that were called pink litmus paper shirt and colliding (laughs) circles. Those were two songs. Like I remember reading a book when I was whatever, 14 being like, Oh God, what these songs must sound amazing. You know? And it, we later learned that that was a hoax and those songs never existed. That was just something somebody made up to fuck with Beatle people. Or Clateau sang them. <laughs> How many Clateau references can we get in? I know. And here's what I like. I like you say Clateau, but I say Clateau. <laughs> and that's where we'll agree to disagree. If you like at the movies. Sneak previews. I see I'm original. I call it sneak Well, previews. you're a Michael Medved guy, politically, too. <laughs> I'm a Verdoliac. That's my, I'm a Ed Verdoliac guy <laughs> from down there. And what's that neighborhood down where the streets are named after A, B, C? It's like the southernmost, uh, Hegwich. Hegwich, Heg- that's Hegwich. the neighborhood. Dude, if you're not from Hegwich, you're not from Chicago. Been saying it forever. <laughs> If you don't own a Chicago Sting t-shirt, you're not from Chicago. <laughs> I had a Chicago Sting hat, a ball cap that looked like a soccer ball. It was ridiculous. I used to go to Sting games. I think I mentioned that once before. All right. So I like unfinished words a lot. Left is right. Right is wrong. <laughs> so funny. High above my deck chair. 
there, there's two songs in the middle that I love. Easy Listening, which is another Ringo song. It's got kind <laughs> yep, of a... That's his octopus's garden. It's his octopus's <laughs> garden. And uh, Now She's Left You is this very strange song that sounds like no Beatles song, but it's just a weird, just an unfinished, almost demo of a song that I've loved since the album came out. I think it was originally recorded in 78, but left off. That's what I read. Okay. Uh, didn't know that. Yeah. It's got that like late 64 vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote down, I don't want to spoil the party and you're going to lose that girl. Yeah, it's got that feel. Yeah, that's a great song. Now she's left you And you don't know what to do Now she's left you Go and find somebody new You have my sympathy Well, she did the same to me Now she's left you My friend Now she's left you Nick or Elastic King, there, it's, it's great. Uh, there's The songs in the middle of this album tend to be the ones that are among my favorites. I got into this when it came out in 90. I either bought it in 96 or early 97. I really hadn't pulled it out until fairly recently when we said we were going to do this. It's a fun album. It doesn't have the same power or nostalgia as the first one to me. So that's why. But it's it's a fine and fun record on, on its own. Yeah. Uh, another one I'll pick real quick is Lonely Phobia. Great one which is like a things we said today, I'll be back kind of a, a, a thing. Yeah. Minor gritty 64. Yeah. Yeah. And the guitar solos doubled with the low piano, you know, it's those little touches. That, and, and they're also good. They're, they're still good songs. Like mm-hmm. if Neil Innes had written these songs in 64, you know, and was one of those, he might've been a one hit wonder that way or more. He could have been a 10 hit wonder, yeah. you know? There's just so fun. Yeah, there's a bunch. The back in 64 is like a when I'm 64 thing. And it's a great album closer. It's such a, it's a sweet, nice way to close the album. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, and then in 2002, they put out uh, Can't Buy Me Lunch, which, I mean, I think it represents how documentaries were made at that time. It was just a lot of talking heads, and there are a ton of talking heads in this one. Hey, man, Remain in Light, best show Fish ever did. (laughs) We got Bonnie Raitt, James Taylor, Jewel, Gary Shandling. You get comedy people in here now, too, like Conan O'Brien's in it. Salman Rushdie is in it. Uh, I thought Kevin Nealon's bit was fun with the triangular record. That's really fun. Catherine O'Hara is in it as Astro Glide, which is like an Astrid. <laughs> Astrid Kirshner. It's a great bit with um, with Catherine O'Hara. She's pretty great in it. Uh, the bit with Jimmy Fallon trying to do the uh, yeah the Eric Idle bit no. didn't work as no, much for me. And I didn't like that it was a runner either. Gonna... <laughs> Once no, was enough. Three you... times was. <laughs> and the first time was like a six-minute bit. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say about the first movie that I did want to say is not held up well is that scene with the brilliant Gilda Radner oh, where right. it gets a little violent where Eric Idle kind of is pushing her around a little bit and Gilda obviously put up with it. I mean, she was enough of a brilliant comic to know that Eric Idle meant no harm, but it did make me a little queasy. Yeah. In the first and that's one. how that is. That's how we see it today. And I mean, to be clear, he pretended to hit her and that was a definite sound effect that happened. Yes. <laughs> Intentionally goofy. And this is 78, and that same gag was later used and heightened in Airplane, right? With the hysterical woman, and then the guy shakes her, and... The line of passengers waiting to to slap her, and yeah, I think someone's got a baseball bat, you know, so... Yeah, it it was it was of that era. I mean, you saw that in cartoons all the time, when someone got hysterical, and I know that that word 
is also problematic because uh, it, it has to do with that means women, men can't be hysterical. At least that's how it has to do with hysterectomy, blah, blah, blah. So, right, right, right. Comedy, comedy sometimes doesn't hold up. And right. We also didn't write it. <laughs> right. We, so, we, we, we make no claim. I feel like we wear this think, stuff. Like we wrote it. Like I didn't write this. I just, I was three when it came out. <laughs> what do you want from me? Well, if you cared, you would have done something. Are you an ally or a wimp? I was three. <laughs> Uh, but so just a tiny bit of context here. Uh, the uh, Can't Buy Me Lunch was done as a response to an ABC show the Beatles did to tie in with Beatles 1 called Beatles Revolution. This was made right around the time Beatles 1 came out. I think in 2000 is when the idea for this Ruddle show was hatched. And they did unreleased footage and it was kind of shot in a way because the Beatles revolution is very of its time too, where it's like coming up next, Melissa Etheridge talks about yesterday and today, <laughs> you know, like it's like, all right, right. get it, everybody fine. <laughs> but so that's part of, I think why there's so many celebrities in this Robin Williams is on so many drugs in this movie. The Robin Williams bit made me uncomfortable, and I love Robin Williams, but yikes. Yeah, yeah. That bit wasn't my favorite. He played, like, the German uh, club owner, I believe. Uh, yeah, he was, like, a, a Hamburg somebody. But Carrie Fisher's in it, David Bowie, Steve Martin, Tom Hanks. is. I think Tom Hanks is funny in it. Tom Hanks is always funny. Yeah, yeah, he's a funny dude. Especially in Philadelphia. Funniest role? <laughs> That's the cream cheese movie, right? I've I've lost all, all track. I don't want to see Philadelphia. We're butter people. We don't eat cream cheese. But yeah, like it, you you know yeah. you know Camp I Me mean, Lunch is on bad footing when they're kind of retelling the Ruddle story, and then all of a sudden here comes Salman Rushdie, and then here comes you know J Lo, you know just a little like right, all right, right. Every, all right, guys. But there's some, so the good things though is that the the outtakes are great. Like right. you get a ton more of Bill Murray the K. Yes. Which which is great. Like I loved all that extra Bill Murray the K stuff. In fact, I wish they'd I thought some of that stuff was funnier than the the bit they ended up using. Yeah. What was another bit I liked? Oh, I there was a when they talk about uh transcendental mastication. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and it, I love that they referred to that to their spiritual period as that period when they went to an Indian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> It's a great That is so fucking funny. That is like perfect comedy to me. (laughs) Yeah. So, but it feels like in a perfect world, that bonus footage would have been thrown on the official Ruddles DVD. You didn't need another 58 minute kind of mini documentary. I remember when the DVD came out in 02, there was a lot of criticism about how thin the offering was. Yeah. Like, come, come on, guys. You know, I could see that. I could see that. But I mean, it's a good ride. They're they're both streaming on YouTube, so it's no longer impossible to find. The music is streaming on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff, so it's out there. Uh, Neil and it's also check out Bonzo Dog Duda Band. Good band, fun band. Equestrian Statue is a great song. Piggy Bank Love is a great song. I'll have to check. I, I don't know much. I mean, I've heard different tracks here and there on like the Beatles XM channel and Terry Hammert and Beatlefest, but I don't really own enough to know. Maybe now that I'm kind of reinvigorated my love for Neil Innes, I'll check it out. Yeah, check it out. You'll know which songs are his. That's for sure. 
They're the ones that get stuck in your head. This is something I would say, Tony, as we kind of wrap this long but very fun episode today is if you like the Beatles and like comedy, you'll really like the Ruddles. If you love the Beatles and love comedy, the Ruddles becomes essential. Essential viewing, essential soundtrack listening. They're so in on the Beatles story that, you know, what's what do we always learn in comedy? The only way to make money is through improv. That's number one. <laughs> if you want to get ahead, improvise, especially into your 40s. Um, hold on. I'm going to go shoot myself. Uh, uh, but no, w- w- the, the main thing we learn is that the funniest things are rooted in truth. And that's what makes the Ruddles so successful is both the musical pastiches and the telling of the Ruddle story is so rooted in the Beatles truth that if you're even a casual fan and you know the story, it's that much more resoundingly funny. I agree, man. I agree. This thing cracked me up. It's so good. If you need a chuckle and you like the Beatles, I would definitely recommend it. And uh, yeah, man, the prefab four, as they were known as the Ruddles. Uh, Well, great. Now, TJ, I got that email. So next week you want to do Ringo the fourth? Yeah, I, I'm debating. I think we haven't quite done enough of Ringo's bad boy. Oh, and okay. pretty soon, Ringo-rama. <laughs> there, there are times, I think I know my shit, and there's times I hear, I listen to the Beatles XM station a lot, which one day we should talk <laughs> about in greater detail. But I'll hear, like, part of the fun for me is the first two notes of any song, I can go, oh, yeah, that's coming up live from McCartney at City Field. I can... I'm you good rain enough. Man I get, it. And I hear Ringo's I, I rain man. I hear Ringo songs. I'm like, oh, is this on fucking Ringo Rama or Liverpool eight? Or it's on one of those fucking <laughs> albums I bought and just don't ever listen to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. The most prolific of the, is he the most prolific? No, I bet Paul is the most prolific. Uh, yeah. Paul's gotta be the most prolific. Paul, Julian, Ringo, James McCartney, <laughs> Mike Love, <laughs> With uh, <laughs> what's his nuts from Full House? I couldn't complete the bit. I went in. John Stamos. John Stamos. <laughs> Magic Alex, then Neil Aspinall, then Derek Taylor. I, I had Magic Alex hook up all my electronics. <laughs> this one's oh for God. all the girls. <laughs> right, you know, you know what I mean. All the electronic people. <laughs> The brothers and sisters and the girls. All right, Alex. That's my Halloween costume every year. I'm Magic Alex, and I'm not allowed near children. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 